Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. been in a series. We started last week in a series on actually, I didn't want to name it overcoming fear because that's such a common thing, overcoming fear. You know, it's like a, it's like something somebody would, 20 people would write a book about, overcoming fear. And there are probably 20 books out there on that topic. But, so I, I, I really, I changed the title of that, of this series and made it like a, it's more like a code than a understanding. And I, and I, I labeled it understanding the times we live in. Understanding the times we live in. And if you remember from last week, we started out with the scripture in Matthew 24. And I think this really is, really pertains to our, our present situation that we all live in here in America and across the world. It's amazing how through the media and through everything that we see on TV or the Internet, it just seems like we're connected to everybody. All of a sudden, the word global is just not a name, just not a word. It's like we're all global all of a sudden. How many feel that way? And no matter where you put yourself in, the, in whatever you try, it's just, it's just that way. But in Matthew 24... Let me just go there real quick. Excuse me. Verse 6. It says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, period. It says there's a period there. And see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. And this is my favorite line. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. There's a lot of people believing today that it's over. We're done. You know, we're going to be extinct probably in another year or two. Everything's just going to collapse. But I coupled that today with some scriptures out of 1 Corinthians. I want to read it to you out of the Message Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. How many like the Message Bible besides me? Okay. See, three hands. Okay, good. But it says in the Message Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13, it says, Remember our history. Here's Mike McBain coming all the way from Casanova, New York, uh, talking about history talking about going to the Washington, D.C. thing, and one side's this, and the next side's right in history. 
And it says, remember our history, friends, and be warned. All of our ancestors, that's talking about Israel, really, were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours as Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life. They all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God. They drank from the rock, God's fountain for them, and that stayed with them wherever they were. And the rock was Christ. But just experiencing God's wonder and grace didn't seem too much. Most of them were defeated by temptation during the hard times in the desert, and God was not pleased. The same thing could happen to us. We must be on guard so that we never get caught up in wanting our own way as they did. And we must not turn our religion into a circus as they did. First the people partied, and then they threw a dance. We must not let sexual promiscuousness they paid for that, remember, with 23,000 deaths in one day. We must never try to get Christ to serve us instead of serving Him. They tried it and God launched an epidemic of poisonous snakes. We must be careful not to stir up discontent because discontent destroyed them. Verse 11, these are all warning markers, danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up, messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence it's useless. Can I say that again? Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. Amen. That's what I wanted to read. But in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, it says, it says these words. It says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Can I tell you one of the biggest fears? If you remember from last week and most of you have passed the test, we all know we're only born with two fears. Every other fear is a learn fear, which means whatever we've learned, we can unlearn. Amen? The two fears are what? Loud noises and falling. That's the only two fears we're born with. But I believe one of the big fears of our society or culture is the fear of lack, the fear of not having enough. When we serve a God who's more than enough, 
Amen? But there's no denying it now. We live in a very unstable world. You could turn the TV on at any given time and see something about the economic problems that exist not only in our country but all over the world. It was kind of funny. Somebody on Facebook this, this week put, Have you seen the rising gas prices? And somebody posted a sign of a gas sign, and on the top it said, Arm, and on the bottom it said, Leg. I thought that was curious. But unemployment is rising again. There is chaos in the streets. Murders in cities at an alarming rate. And gas prices are rising again. Times have changed. And the truth of the matter is they will continue to change right up until the return of our Lord Jesus. If we put our trust in the man-made institutions of this world system such as the social and political organizations, even the government, we will quickly find ourselves on a path of despair and financial hardship. One of my other good friends, who is also an author, I don't know if I could find it, it's not even on here. Let me go back somewhere else. But he wrote this this morning. He's, this is, I picked this up. His name is Darren Hufford. He wrote a book called The Misunderstood God. How many ever read that book? Besides my wife. The Misunderstood God. And this, this is what Darren wrote this morning on Facebook. He says, We were united as a nation until we allowed the media to become the lens through which we see others. Let's deal with the real problem. However, when we have a relationship with God and know Him as our only source of provision, we will not look to those institutions around us as our source and the fear of lack will not rule our thinking. I'm convinced that the enemy has launched an all-out attack against God. An all-out attack against faith through the avenue of the media. From a spiritual perspective, the things we see pumped through the television and Internet are designed for a specific purpose, to capitalize and amplify fear in the hearts and the minds of the general public. And it's working. The more we pay attention to the news, the more fearful the people who are watching it become. But we're sons and daughters of God. We're the believers watching bad news on a consistent basis is probably one of the worst things we can do to try to build our faith. You want to destroy your faith? Keep watching bad news. So what's the answer? Turn it off. Pull the plug. Sell the TV. might have to sell some of your smartphones. I don't know. But nothing will derail our trust in God quicker than filling our eyes and ears with media reports. Financial lack is probably one of the most common fears that people deal with on a daily basis, and it also happens to be the issue we hear about regularly. I don't know if you've heard it or not on the news or the media, 
But they said we won't have enough food to eat within the next five or, five or six months. It's out there. And it seems there's this constant discussion of how bad things are and how difficult it is for people to make it <coughs> excuse me, on a daily basis. To the average person who had no knowledge about God's ability, His grace, or willingness to provide for their needs, like life is a rat race, which the objective is basic survival. And consequently, people begin to see their jobs as a means to an end rather than a divine assignment. And the word that is used to describe their existence for most people is toil. Toil and labor. See, the fear of running out is what drives them to keep toiling, keep working, even if it's at the expense of their peace, sanity, health, and personal relationships. For those who choose to trust in the Word of God, like my wife says, this is how we win our battles. But for those who choose to trust in the Word of God where their provision is concerned, I have for you today good news. How many want some good news? It's not God's will for you to go through life toiling for your next meal or wondering how your bills are going to be paid. How many still pay bills? If you don't raise your hand, we'll have an altar call at the end. But if you're a believer, you have an ultimate source of supply. I find this scripture very interesting in the story of the prodigal son in Luke. In Luke chapter 15. I love the story of the prodigal son. Do you? I even see the church in there. I even see the Jews and the Gentiles in there. But the Lord was talking, the Father was talking to the elder son who had a problem. How many know the elder son in the story had a problem? He was not happy that daddy forgave the prodigal boy. Amen? And when the Father invited him to the celebration, what did he say? I'm not coming. I'm not going to celebrate the life of that no count. But then at the end of the story in Luke 15:31, the father says to the elder son, and he said to him, son, he didn't call him anything but son. If you learn anything about the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, when the boy left, he was son. And when he came back home, he was son. His identity never changed. Even though he thought, the best thing he could be for his dad was servant. I'm coming back just to be a hired servant. His dad, his dad didn't even listen to a word he said. But he, and he said to him in Luke 15, 31, Son, you are always with me. And if that's not good enough, i got something better for you at the end of this verse. And all that I have is yours. And that phrase... I've I got to ask myself the question, what do I lack? If I have all the resources of my Father in heaven, Almighty God of the Most High, what is it I lack? i tell you what you lack. Belief. You lack trust. See, we know faith comes by hearing, and hearing the what? 
the Word of God. And fear comes by hearing the words of the devil and the media and friends. Have you ever had friends just talk to you? Talk negative thoughts? <coughs> the book of Job will tell you about all them guys. So if you find yourself being consumed with fear of not having enough to meet your needs, you have to ask yourself, what is it that I've been listening to? See, have you been giving your attention to the words that continue to provoke fear in your life? Are you turning the television on and hearing over and over again that another variant's on its way, another variant's on its way? What? Come on! There never was one. It's fear-motivated. And hearing over and over again, businesses are going to close again, and employment opportunities are going to be hard to find. By doing this every day, paying attention to negative reports, you're, like the, you're just going to join the crowd opposite of Caleb and Joshua. <laughs> In the old, old, these for, written for our example... Can we take this land? Two guys said yes, the rest said no. Eight of them said no, we can't do it. Oh, excuse me, two, ten of them said they can't do it. I didn't know there was twelve of them. But by doing this every day, and one thing I've learned over the years of pastoring going on 37 years is this. Satan cannot, cannot operate in the life of a believer unless he gives access to that spirit by fear. Very simply... Put a hold on what God can do for you. If you find your faith in God wavering, it's a clear indication that fear is present. Do you hear me? If you find your faith in God wavering, it's a clear indication that fear is present. And when fear is present, so is unbelief. What changes that? In the Word. Reading those stories in the Word that build up your faith. My wife shared one with you about David this morning. You could read Second Kings about Elijah and a servant boy who thought it was over because they sent the army, the Syrian armies, to take one man of God and kill him because he was telling all the secrets of the king in his bedroom by dreams. He was coming to kill him and take him away. And Elijah said, hey, more, more are with us than are with them. And he prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. This is 2 Kings 6.16. 6, and he opened his eyes and he saw all around him the mountains, the angels of the army of the Lord. And nobody, I mean nobody, was going to touch them. Amen? So how do we overcome the fear of lack? First, let me remind you, that we are not mere humans. We are people who are possessed by the Holy Spirit, which means we have the advantage over anything Satan attempts to contain us with. He can't do it. We have the ability, grace, that's the word, if you look up the word grace, it means you have God's ability to overcome the fear of lack. This is just one fear. We don't only have fears today. You know how many fears there are recorded? Over 4,000. And not only do we have fears today, fear has babies today. They're called phobias. 
Emotional phobias. Those are baby fears. And there's a whole book. There's books written, written just on phobias of people. And it doesn't matter what's going on with other people. As believers, we stand on the Word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. And one of the many benefits of being a believer, a son or daughter of God, is that we have a manual to refer to regarding anything we may face in life. And no matter what it may be, it is covered in the Bible. Whatever the Word of God has to say about lack is what we're to stand on. If the Scripture tells us that we have been delivered from lack, it's a done deal. Amen? Let me remind you of the Scripture that I opened up with on this teaching in Deuteronomy 2.7. It says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you, and you lack nothing. That's his point of view. Now, how many know that was not their point of view? And a lot of them didn't make it through. But when you stop and really look at the Scripture, you find that God has already declared your work of your hands as blessed, meaning that we have an empowerment to prosper us through our own hands. And our hands are synonymous with being God's instruments through which we do our work and utilize our unique abilities. Essentially, he's saying, I've equipped you and empowered you to be successful at whatever you put your hand to. Amen? And secondly, he says that Israel walked through the wilderness for 40 years and lacked nothing. And when he says they lacked nothing, you know what it means? It means they lacked nothing. That's what it means in the Hebrew. I studied it. And their needs were taken care of, including clothing, food, water, and their health, and their strength for their journey. For 40 years, their clothes never wore out. Their feet didn't swell. Could you imagine walking in a hot desert for 40 years? And you didn't have shoes. They didn't run out of supplies or resources for 40 years. And when it came to the basic necessities of life, they were completely sustained. Many times we have the wrong definition of lack. Our needs are those things that are necessary for daily living, such as food, clothing, shelter, and the things that enable us to live comfortably. Often we put our desires in the category of needs, and, they get, and then we get upset when those things aren't readily accessible. But however, when it comes to our needs, we will always be taken care of when we trust God. It is important that we understand the true meaning of lack. Another scripture that demonstrates God's provision is in Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, verse 3. The sending out of the twelve. Then he called his disciples, verse 1, together and gave them power and authority over all the demons to cure diseases. When's the last time you read that? 
he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing. Take nothing. Take nothing for your journey. Neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two hats either. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. So Jesus commissions his disciples to go out and preach the gospel. And he said, take nothing for your journey. Can you imagine how they must have felt when they first heard Jesus say this? Why would Jesus tell his disciples not to take anything with them when he's about to send them on a journey? How many said that? How many could say with me that's not can't be practical? It was because he wanted to teach them how to fully trust God to meet all their needs every step of the way. Boy, boy, I tell you, church, it's time to learn some things. Do you know how you know you're trusting God? You're living in rest. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. Why do you think he wrote that? Because that's what we do. We try to figure God out all the time. We try to outsmart Him. Get to the finish line before He gets there. The Bible says they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere and casting out demons. And they never lacked anything at any point in time because God took care of them. The Word is full of scriptures that promise provision of all of which God points to God's unconditional love for us. He loves every single one of us here in the room the same. And these promises are our guarantee that we don't have to fear lack when we trust God. Amen. Did you want me to say that again? These promises are our guarantee that we don't have to fear lack. When we trust God, 1 Thessalonians 4.12 says that you may walk honestly towards them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. And then God promises us that we will lack nothing, that is, that it is His will to have all of our needs met. Psalm 34.10 in the Amplified, it says these words. It says, The young lions lack food and suffer hunger. But they who seek, linger, inquire, and, re- and of the require the Lord by the right of their need and on the authority of His Word, none of them shall lack any beneficial things. Let me ask you a question. Would you say that food and shelter are beneficial? What about clothes? How about women's shoes? <laughs> Don't come over my house. My clothes are not even in my bedroom. <laughs> I 
What about clothes? What about transportation? What about electricity? And I can think of many more things that are beneficial to living a comfortable life. And God says that when we seek Him according to His Word and in line with our needs, we will not lack these things. <coughs> and God says that when we seek Him according to His will and to His Word, in line with our needs, we will not lack these things. And to be able to overcome the fear of lack and destroy it, it is crucial that we know that God says what God says about it. Just I've known people that couldn't even afford a smartphone. And somebody went and gave them one. Or they found one that was in full use. They were just able to open it and use it. Hosea 4.6 says that God's people are destroyed because of lack of what? Knowledge. The Hebrew meaning for the word destroyed is cut off. We don't have to be cut off from God's tremendous provisions because you lack knowledge. God's Word provides life-changing knowledge. Life-changing information. Unfortunately, some people have no idea that God would even be concerned about their needs. I mean, I've seen God raise dead dogs. I've seen it. Dog suddenly dies and people start crying. I've seen dogs come back to the life. I think somebody who loved their fish so much, the fish died. I think God raised the fish back. You don't think God cares? He cares about everything. Unfortunately, somehow, again, some people have no idea that God would even be concerned. And as a result, they live their lives cut off from the provisions of God because they don't know or they don't believe that God is the provider. Isn't he Jehovah Jireh somewhere? His Father. And with that in mind, let's look at Joshua chapter 18, verse 2. In the King James, King James, not New King James, King James, it says, And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not received their inheritance. I don't know if you have received your inheritance that God has for you, but I want to show you why these seven tribes of Israel didn't receive theirs. It's the, the answer is found in the next verse, Joshua 18.3. It says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack? What's the difference between lack and slack? One word. One letter. What's the difference between lack and slack? One letter. How long are you slack to go possess the land which the Lord God your fathers has given you. The reason these Israelites didn't receive what God had for them, it was because of their slack. What does it mean to slack? To slack means to be slow to move. To be slow to believe. Slothful, lazy, and idle. It also signifies that a person's perception is dull. When a person is slack, he or she will simply miss out on all the wonderful things God has for them because their spiritual perception is cloudy. They don't realize nor recognize what belongs to them. 7,700 promises. 
in the Bible. Over 7,700 promises in the Bible. Think that'll keep you busy for a few days? The wonderful things God has for them because of the spiritual perception. They don't realize nor recognize what belongs to them, nor do they seize it by faith. Doesn't the Bible say that it's impossible to please God without faith? But He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God wants to be our source. And He wants to eliminate lack in our lives. So we cannot be slow to believe His Word. And over 36 years of ministry, I can't begin to tell you the number of people who have failed to receive their healing or deliverance because of their lack of knowledge of God's will for blessing their lives. I say it all the time. He's blessing you coming in. He's blessing you going out. He's blessing you to the left. He's blessing you to the right. He'll chase you down for one purpose. Not to punish you. To bless you. Because He loves you. You're His kids. You're His sons. You're His daughters. He wants to bless you. Lack can be a huge enemy to a person's progress. Think about it. When you have lack in some area, it affects everything from your peace to your physical well-being. There's nothing good about poverty or not having it enough to handle the necessities of life. I'll give you another scripture. Deuteronomy 28.7, King James King James Version. The Lord shall cause thy enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee from you seven ways. This means any area of lack in our lives will have to leave when it comes in contact with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is believe and receive. <coughs> Stay in God's Word. Spend time in His presence. We did that today. But we should be doing it every day. I like Tammy said we, sh we should be speaking in our heavenly language. I don't mean for five minutes. I mean for 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. You should be reading your Bible at least 20 minutes every day. Easily. If you speak in tongues, the more you speak in tongues, I just, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to buy yourself a journal and a pen because you're going to get downloads of revelation as you speak in tongues. He'll start talking to you and telling you things, and you're going to have to go tell other people what you're hearing. But spend time in His Word. Spend time in His presence. Develop confidence. And by doing these things, by doing these things, we will load our hearts with what I call faith ammunition. Faith ammunition. And the fire at the areas which lack is present by speaking those mountains, those mountain moving scriptures consistently every day. See, our faith in God's love and grace is what will make the difference. In a world marked by anxiety and the fear of dwindling resources, we have complete assurance that God is well able to take care of us in any economic climate. Amen? And if He didn't intend to provide for us, He would have never taken care of the children of Israel for those 40 years in the desert wilderness. 
However, since He's already done so, we already sang about that today, all the things that He has done, all the things we remember. He's faithful to the end. Amen? And since He's already done so much for those who came before us, and because He's in a covenant with us through our relationship with Jesus, He will meet our needs. Every need. Doesn't it say in Hebrews 13.8, right back there? Jesus Christ is the same. I don't even have to turn to my Bible. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same. How many have ever seen that up there? Okay, I just want to make sure you've seen it. So keep the reality of God's love at the forefront of your thinking at all times. I'm almost done. Some of you are asking, will he ever finish? Will he ever shut up? See, when we believe in and meditate on His unconditional love towards us where our needs are concerned, we won't allow fear to overpower us. Lack may be a reality in the world today, but for those of us who are on the Lord's side, we have absolutely nothing to worry about. You want to know what God thinks of worry? Just turn to Matthew 6 and read it. You won't like what He says, but He'll tell you what He thinks. In Christ, we have access to unlimited, abundant resources of heaven. And when we allow the Word of God to become more real to us than our circumstances, when we seek God and create an outflow of finances by sowing seed into the kingdom of God, we will find ourselves living in a constant flow of provision. I'm going to give you two scriptures and I will be done. Okay, two scriptures, and I'll be done. First one's in Philippians, which is right after Ephesians. And if you have the right Bible, it's on page 1802. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What a promise. He's never going to give up on you. You may think, I'm giving up on God. He's never given up on you. He's never going to give up. And then 2 Timothy. It's right after 1 Timothy. You don't have to be a scholar to know that. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 